Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. And it's a great day today because we have with us Paul Lavoie. And Paul is the Chief Manufacturing Officer for the state of Connecticut. And we'll get into what that means. Incidentally, it's a big day for Paul because today is his one-year anniversary in this role for the state of Connecticut as Chief Manufacturing Officer. So, and a little background Essentially, Paul's job is to expand manufacturing in the state. So anything that he can do to grow the manufacturing segment in the state of Connecticut, he's on it. And you'll learn more about that in a second. So uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. Take a listen. Well, thanks for joining us, Paul. And before we dive in, can you give us a quick overview of your background and what your role is today? Sure. So as the chief manufacturing officer for the state of Connecticut, my job is to support and grow manufacturing in the state. That's pretty much my, uh, my job description. So it really allows me to, um, to really understand what the key issues are within the state as it relates to manufacturers and work on solutions around that. And so in addition to that, I chair the Manufacturing Innovation Fund, uh, which is a, a fund that's been set up for the legislature to invest in manufacturing. So we've invested $100 million over the last eight years in manufacturing. So I serve as the board chair uh, of that as well. Um, and then additionally, in my role, I, I'm the uh, state lead for offshore wind. So taking a look at renewable energy and how we're going to stand up a supply chain around renewable energy. And then I'm also on the board of the Connecticut um, Technical High Schools, on the board of the Yukon Engineering School, and the Sacred Heart Engineering School in my role as chief manufacturing officer. So hmm. it really is, my job is really about how do we support and grow manufacturing? And it has a lot to do with education and how we're educating students, how we're supporting manufacturers. It really works around workforce development, supply chain, innovation, and then how do we grow the industry here in the state? And my background is, uh, and the, the main qualification for being a chief manufacturing officer is you had to run a manufacturing business in Connecticut. So you had to understand, you know, what it's like to mm -hmm. actually, as I say, you had to sign the front of a paycheck, not just the back of a paycheck. That's so um, so I was general manager at Cary Manufacturing. Uh, we were uh, a small manufacturer that, was, uh, that manufactured hardware and basically catches, latches, and handles. So latch onto us, we can handle it, was our tagline. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we had reshored an entire product line from China to the U.S. And uh, three things. We had reshored an entire product line. We were happily and fully staffed. So we won some awards for innovation and workforce development. Uh, and I would I was there to execute a secession plan for the second generation uh, that was working in the business. And so when I was appointed by the governor to this position, uh, we did five promotions at Cary Manufacturing and, and didn't replace me. So, so, so wait, so you, so happily and fully staffed, let's go down a side path here. Talk about that for, for a second. What does that mean? Sure. So, so we made a conscious decision uh, many years ago, and it was done by the director of human resources at Cary Manufacturing that basically said that, that if we wanted to have a fully staffed operation in this current labor environment that that doing conventional things wasn't really going to work. So what we really did is we looked at doing what we called unconventional things. And what we did is we would go out to um, workforce development organizations like the Hartford Job Corps, uh, an organization called Piece of the Pie, 
We would engage with our technical school systems like Prince Tech uh, and, and engage with those organizations. We engage with, um, with community colleges. Uh, we engage with um, the Connecticut Center for Advanced Technology, any organization. And anybody that ever needed a tour, that wanted to bring students in, that wanted to show somebody a manufacturing, we were the company that always said yes didn't matter where we were doing, and we would do it a little bit better than everybody else. So we would have summer camps that uh, would, would, they would do summer STEM camps, and they'd say, we'd like to do a tour of a manufacturer. Can we bring them to Cary Manufacturing? And we'd say yes, and then we'd say, bring them at lunch so we could do a cookout. So we would do a cookout in our back, and we had a big garden back there. So we would do a cookout. So these, you know, not only that, you know, the kids were getting a great experience about learning about a manufacturing manufacturer, but we were we were expressing to that organization that we're your partner and we want to do that better than you know, we want to do this better than anybody else. Yeah. And so by us and continually investing in this in this ecosystem, what would happen is is that is that we would get phone calls all the time, unsolicited, and they would say, Paul, we have I have this amazing student. You've got to see this. You've got to talk to this student. I think they would be great at carry manufacturing. And I'd say, well I don't have a job opening. You know, and they'd say, yeah, but you, you have to talk to this person. And I'd say, well, send them over. And I'd send them over and I'd interview them. And 99% of the time we'd hire them, um, not knowing what we were going to do with them. Mm. But the way I equated it, was, it was the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. Right? I was getting the number one pick in the draft every single year yeah. from every single organization. I'm not letting that slide You'll through to my something competition. something for them to do, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. these are, you know, when somebody calls you up and says, I have an exceptional student, and they would do that because we would give so much to them. Um, so that meant that I had a highly productive workforce. I had a highly motivated workforce. And then we spent a lot of time on retention and a lot of time on culture and a lot of time on understanding what motivated people. I had a, a, a I'll tell you a quick story. A, a, um, my production manager walked into my office and said, one of our lead production guys needs to leave every Tuesday and Thursday from two to four. And he, you know, we had one guy running five machines and we didn't have a lot of people, right? And so I said, uh, really, why? He goes, yeah, something with, you know, lawyers and, and this and all the other stuff. So I walked out on the shop floor and I said, Chris, I said, you know, I understand you have to leave two days a week from two to four. And he told me the reason why. And it had to do with his children. And I said to him, I said, well, it's important for you, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, it's important to me too. So you leave from two to four every day. I said, and we'll cover you. You don't worry about it. But that's important to you. And we want to make sure that you, I want you to know that's important for us. Well, you know, when I would ask him, you know, can you come in on a Saturday to, you know, we're a little behind on this customer order. Can you come in on a Saturday? What do you think he said? Hmm. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'll be there. Yeah. You know, no problem. And so, um, you know, but it was us going out on the shop floor and understanding what, what it is and what was the reason why. And then letting them know that, that, you know, listen, we all know nobody cares about you until they know that you care about them. Mm -hmm. So we want to just make sure employees knew that as well. You know, we, we, you know, I had a, a employee that kept coming into work 15 minutes late. And so I sat him down. I said, why are you 15 minutes late every day? And he wasn't normally late. Well, you know, there was a group of feral cats and he fed the cats. And by the time the cats came around and he could feed them, he'd come to work 15 minutes late. I said, well, why don't you just change your work time to, you know, instead of coming at 830, come in at 9. He goes, I can do that? I said, sure. I said, I don't care. Get your work done. Here's, yeah. you know, here's the standard. Get your orders in by 9 o'clock at night and get, take care of all your customer requests. That's what I'm going to hold you to. I said, if it's more, it's less pressure on me getting a text from you every day that you're going to be late, and it's much less pressure on you apologizing every time you walk in, take care of the cats and come into work at 9. 
I'm okay with that. So, um, but that kind of culture, and we would do that for anybody, right? And so now all of a sudden you get this buzz around that, wow, you know, carrier manufacturing really cares about us, you know, and they would understand that, that they're not going to get that everywhere else. So we yeah. spent a lot of time on culture as well um, as it relates to happily and fully staffed. And then we, we spent a, a lot of time on succession planning. You know, I had, in my tenure there, I had the director of engineering, the director of human resources, and the controller all retire. Uh, and we replaced them with with somebody that was um, had a little bit more of a career runway, uh, and that uh, and we would bring them in and we would overlap them with folks that you know we bring an engineer in and say okay you know you're gonna you've got about a year to tutelage under under Claude and you're when Claude ride retires yep. yeah and Claude yep. retires the job will be yours so. Um, so when, when the governor tapped me to, uh, and I had, I had the, um, the son-in-law of the owner was in the business as well. And I was training him to be general manager. So when, uh, when I got, when the governor tapped me for this job, uh, I walked into Mike and said, are you ready? And he goes, yeah, I said, good. Cause the job's yours. And so we, you know, Proton hit a general manager, the, uh, the owner's daughter got promoted, a person that I was working with on sales got promoted, an operations person got promoted, an engineering person got promoted. Um, so we, we, you know, we were able to fully staff carrying manufacturing and not replace me, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, which was a well-executed succession plan. So it, it really is intentional around understanding culture. Um, a, uh, you know, understanding how to best recruit in this kind of environment. So once you, you know, making sure you can get like I said, first round draft picks, and then keeping them. So spending time on retention and culture and, and making an investment in that. Uh, and then, you know, making sure you're taking care of the future with succession planning. So, uh, and we were doing the same thing on the shop floor. But by, by the way, one of the things, in addition to those four other jobs, I also had the lead, one of the lead machine operators um, who has forgotten more about running those machines than most people know retired as well. And we had a succession plan in place, uh, filled all those jobs. And um, I've been gone a year and, and carrying manufacturing is having record sales and record profits and uh, all that in place. Just uh, it's a well-oiled machine. So. Yeah, th- that idea of wanting an organization to carry on as as good as, if not better than when when I was there, it's uh, that's a hard thing for some people. But but that's what you need to think about it. Right? Well, and, you know, and my background is I owned a, a business coaching firm. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. When I owned my business coaching firm, that's what I did. Right? I made other companies better. So for me, it's it's just a natural way to do it. I'm yeah. not, you know, I, the way I always look at it is when I do that, then there'll be something better for me. Yeah. So, so you know, it really is how do I develop people to their fullest potential. So. And uh, I'm going to assume there are similar people in similar roles in all 50 states, or is that a bad assumption to me? Uh, Connecticut is the only state with a chief manufacturing officer that really? works for the governor. So, yes. Oh, that's great. So no other state has this role. And we're making headway. And when you talk about $100 million over eight years of, mm-hmm. of investment into the what, – what types of things do we as a state invest in to attract or to, to grow manufacturing sector here in Connecticut? Sure. So we have a manufacturing voucher program. Uh, that's our most popular program. And that gives a, a manufacturer a matching grant up to $100,000 for the purchase of new equipment, new software, anything that's really designed on growing their business. 
Uh, we have what's called an IVP, IVP program, which is Innovation Voucher Program, which you can get up to $20,000 for an Industry 4.0 implementation. Uh, we have incumbent worker training support, so we'll support manufacturers for incumbent worker training, so that's training their own workforce, and they can get up to $50,000 a year in matching funds for training your workforce up to $100,000 lifetime. We have apprenticeship programs that we provide funding for for manufacturers. We have internship programs that we provide funding for for Is manufacturers. Is that through the, the vocational schools and or or uh, or just the high schools or colleges? So all the we... yeah, all the apprentice programs go through the Department of Labor. Yeah. So it could be it certainly could be a high school graduate, a tech school graduate, a community college graduate yeah. that goes into the apprenticeship program. Yeah. Could be anybody. Could be. You know, if you want to be an apprentice, you want to be a tool maker, we need them. You know, we can get you in the apprenticeship program. Uh, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, then, um, and then the internship program is des- all designed around keeping college kids in state. So my, my program is mm. if you learn in Connecticut, I want you to earn in Connecticut. And so what we want to do is we want to create a sticky relationship between anybody that's in an engineering degree program and Connecticut manufacturers so that we can keep kids here in state. Yeah. And I call that the let's keep moms in Connecticut happy program because we'll keep all the students here, you know. Well, so. Yeah, it's funny because <laughs> I have all 20-something kids and none of them live in Connecticut anymore. But, but they, none of them are engineers either, so no fault of yours. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of free time on your hands. Uh, no, no free time at all. <laughs> That's not at all. So. All right. Um, hey, Paul, how has the so a lot of people are talking about the Great Resignation? You're familiar with that. How has that impacted specifically manufacturing in Connecticut, or has it? Oh yeah, absolutely, it has. So uh, we look at, and it certainly was uh, accelerated. You know, we call it the silver tsunami, right? I mean, this yeah. was also accelerated by uh, by COVID. You know, a lot of people that were at that you know point where they were thinking about retirement when it came to COVID decided that they were going to go off and retire. So we, we've long had this problem in manufacturing where, uh, where we have an aging manufacturing workforce uh, and then we're just starting to get younger people involved um, in manufacturing and, and getting them excited about that. So, uh, so it has impacted it. I, I, you know, I think most manufacturers are thinking about that. They're running apprenticeship programs. They're bringing younger people in. They're trying to take that knowledge transfer. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest problem we're going to have is that we're going to lose that knowledge gap. We're going to have that knowledge gap when when somebody leaves the uh, when somebody leaves the workforce, but I, grew, I grew up in Connecticut. Sorry to yeah. interrupt, but it, okay. it, it, like tool and die was uh, at least it seemed to me as a kid like it was a huge industry in in Connecticut specifically. And I know you mentioned you know a couple of minutes ago, tool and die is a place that yep. where you're looking for people, and so you've got a. Uh, a labor shortage or a knowledge shortage there, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, you have the knowledge shortage, but we, we have a labor shortage. I mean, we yeah. you know if you look at statewide, there's 115,000 open jobs. There's about 15,000 in manufacturing. But if you look statewide, there's 115. There's about 70,000 people on unemployment. So if you do the math and we took everybody off of unemployment, we're still short. Mm. We're still short 45,000 people. So, um, so we really have to look at, you know, we look at it a couple of different ways. We look at workforce development, and that is how do we provide life-changing careers in manufacturing to, our, to young people, and really people of all ages. Mm. I, I, I do programs with, uh, with some of our high schools, and I talk about the opportunities in manufacturing, and I'll always have a parent say, is it too late for me? You know, I'll say, yeah. no, it's not too late. You know, if you want to be reskilled, we can certainly do that. So, um, so, so we need to get people excited about uh, careers in manufacturing, but we also need to get more people. Right? So we really have to look at, we really look at how do we get more people into the workforce? 
you know, the good news in manufacturing is, is that we are, we are right now, as of November, we're at the same employment level that we were the month before the pandemic. So we went from 161,000 people in manufacturing to 149,000 in that first month of the pandemic. And now we're back to 161,000 continuing to grow. So the manufacturing sector is, is we've made up all the losses. We replaced the losses. And yeah. we're starting to grow again. Um, but we still have, you know, there still is this idea of secession planning and the silver tsunami, the great resignation, and how we're going to continue to fill those jobs. And we, we have a tremendous amount of resources in the state around workforce development. I, I I would venture to say that I would put up Connecticut up against any other state in the, in the nation around workforce development, and we would be the best. And what we're really looking at and we're focusing on is how do we get more people into the state? Mm-hmm. And how do we, it really comes around affordable and, and available housing. It comes around transportation, childcare, healthcare. These are all issues that the governor is currently um, working on, and DECD, the Department of Economic and Community Development, are working on uh, to make sure that we can attract people to come to Connecticut so they can fill our open jobs and we can get them through that workforce development pipeline. Yeah, you would have to because the math you mentioned before, yeah. 75,000 unemployed, 100-something thousand uh, open jobs, uh, you got to get people from, from, from out of state. Yeah, so we measure, we don't measure unemployment rate. We measure, we measure uh, in, in my area, uh, we measure labor participation rate, and that is the percentage of people that can work that are working and so we look at those people that aren't working and we try to figure we don't try we look at those people that are not working Mm -hmm. and we start to eliminate the barriers of them coming back into the workforce so if it's a single mom who has child care issues you know how do we help with that so we can get her back into the workforce and and get her feeling productive and being productive so we're spending a lot of time around uh, you know, we have a chief workforce officer and we have an office of workforce uh, strategy here in Connecticut. Uh, and so we're starting to spend a lot of a lot of energy around what's our labor participation rate and how can we get people back to work that are in Connecticut already that are just not working. Right. And, and specifically for me, I want to get them back to work in manufacturing. Right, right. And recruit people from out of state to come in. And then also, is our Connecticut public education helping in any way in terms of offering vocational opportunities, like a non-college track uh, for students to to kind of help them get into a manufacturing career? Absolutely. I mean, we have have manufacturing programs in 129 comprehensive high schools. So those are our, you know, our our high schools. Uh, We have... Uh, we have our technical high school system, which if anybody that, that leaves Connecticut and starts talking about our technical high school system and our community college and the manufacturing programs on there that are in there are blown away, blown away by the amount of resources that we have. And I, was, I just came from a shipbuilding workforce development conference, and I was talking to the manufacturing programs at one of our community colleges, and I said, how's your... How's your spring semester going? And like, we need more students, right? So we have capacity. We have built this tremendous engine to, to develop people, and we just need to continue to, to feed that with, with more people. Um, and we'll do that through, you know, keeping kids here. We'll do that through labor participation rate. We'll do that through attracting people um, to, to come here. Um, and, you know, talking about our public education system, we have the top community college system in the nation. That's not, I, I didn't make that decision. You know, some independent uh, resources made that decision. We have the second best public education system in the country as well. So if you want a job in Connecticut and you have a family, you can come to Connecticut. You can plant yourself in Farmington, Connecticut. We are right here, and you can have a tremendous career 
in manufacturing as an engineer and never have to move your family. And while your family's here, they'll get a tremendous education. And we all know the outstanding quality of life that we have here in the state as well. So. It's, yeah, it's a great state. It has a lot to offer. Are other states kind of looking at us now as a leader in, in, in terms of from the work that you've been doing in terms of growing manufacturing? And we're getting uh, we're getting some exposure at the national level yeah. uh, with, with some national associations in that uh, they're not, you know, they've What's a chief manufacturing officer? Right. You know, and, and what They're are we, not investing what in are we doing? Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen some strategic, um, some manufacturing strategic plans from other state, where, states where they're calling for a chief manufacturing officer and they're using that language. Hmm. Uh, and then we, uh, there are some other states that are implementing programs like our Manufacturing Innovation Fund. Uh, for example, we have a manufac- the Manufacturing Voucher Program that I talked about. Uh, there's another state that just launched the Manufacturing Voucher Program. So I, I don't, you know. Uh, either it's a coincidence. Copycats. Well, you know, imitation is a sincere (laughs) uh, form of flattery. So either it's a coincidence or it's not, but it's, uh, we like to think that we are, we are well out in front of, of uh, most other states as it relates to, uh, as it relates to supporting manufacturing. And, and we don't, you know, we'll also get that information. Um, you know, Paul Lemo, who's the president of Sikorsky Aircraft, I had the opportunity to do a briefing for him of everything that we do to support manufacturing. And his comment back was, I've worked all over the country for Lockheed Martin. Connecticut, by far, by far, gives the most support for the manufacturing. And he says, I had no idea that you were, the state was doing all of this to support my supply chain. Mm. And he was so grateful for, for us doing that. So, uh, so to answer your question, yes, I think we're out in front of yeah of most other states. And I think a lot of other states are looking at Connecticut and saying, you know, hey, what's going on there? And, and what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And how are they doing that? So. Yeah, the word's getting out. And then and then it's a matter of, you know, as you mentioned earlier, getting people to, to come here to take advantage of the environment that you're creating. Sure. Yeah. I, we, yeah. You know, we, did, we need to do some marketing. Yeah. You know, really right. outside the state that says, if you want a career, you should be coming to Connecticut. Yeah. So. And, I, and we're doing that, I, I assume. Um, we're doing not it on enough. a tourism side, not necessarily on a workforce side. But yeah. we'll, you know, we're doing it internally. So we're, so we're running a Hearts and Minds advertising campaign in Connecticut that's all around showing people in Connecticut what we make here and the people we made it. So our theme is Made Here by Me. Uh, and, you know, you'll see billboards. You'll see um, radio ads. Uh, and then, you know, places where you're probably not spending four hours a day like TikTok and Instagram and all those other places. So yeah. I have people coming to me all the time saying, hey, I saw the ad on TikTok. And I'm like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go into TikTok and, and uh, the, the dangers there. But well, yeah. um, um, are there particular manufacturing industries that Connecticut is known for? Um Sure. So what's interesting about Connecticut is the, you know, we have 4,400 manufacturers in our state. We're 5,400 plus square miles. So we have this incredible diversity Mm. of manufacturing. But if you really look at the areas where we're core, you know, certainly the defense industry. Mm -hmm. So we are number, we're now number three. We were number two. But we're number three on a per capita basis of defense spending by the Department of Defense. So on a per capita basis, we are the number three state for defense spending. Virginia, Hawaii, Connecticut. Now, if you look at Virginia and Hawaii, they have a number of military bases. We have one military base, the Groton sub base. We don't have military bases. So all of our money is going into manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're number one in aircraft engine manufacturing in the country. So the Metro Hartford area, as far as as far as uh, production and jobs around aircraft engine manufacturing, uh, we're number one. Twenty five percent of all aircraft engines are manufactured in Connecticut. This is you know we worldwide. Punch, 
um, in the in the U.S. in the U.S. in the U.S. Yeah. Um, you know, we are the submarine capital of mm. the world. Nobody else builds submarines. I mean, there's some work being done in Rhode Island. There's some work being done in Virginia, mm. but all that work is then barged to to Groton, Connecticut, where you know the submarines are are being assembled, and that's protecting our nation's sovereignty. Is is you know that right down there in Groton, Connecticut, hmm. where, where we're making submarines. 50% of the Navy budget for shipbuilding is in submarines. Mm. That's how important submarines are to our national security. So when you look at defense spending, that's, you know, aircrafts, right? The, F, the F-35 the fighter is powered by the F-135 engine, which is made by Pratt & Whitney. Um, you can talk about helicopters and Sikorsky mm. and, you know, and, and, the, and how that protects, uh, protects our, our soldiers uh, by the helicopter industry. So, um, and then we have, a, we have a very large chemical manufacturing base, a very large metal parts manufacturing base. Uh, and then, you know, it's the average size of a manufacturer in Connecticut is about 25 people. Mm. So when you look at, you know, the 160,000 people that work in 4,400 companies, right, your average there will just go to 4,000. Your average there is 40. But when you consider that, that 60,000 people work in the top 25 manufacturers, you know, you have, you have 100,000 people working in, you know, basically 4,375 manufacturers. So the manufacturing base, it tends to be um, smaller and it tends to be supply chain oriented and lots of, you know, lots of metal manufacturing, uh, lots of plastic manufacturing. Uh, it, it always, a lot of food manufacturing, uh, you know, it always, uh, always surprises me. I learned something new every single week about what we make in Connecticut. So, well, the big, the big manufacturers that you mentioned, well, they need people to be supplying, they, they, they need suppliers. So sure. it, it all kind of feeds, it, it makes sense to invest, continue to invest in the larger manufacturers because that's going to open up opportunities for the smaller uh, producers of the parts that go into the the, the jet engines for, for well sure and and what we're seeing with what's happening on a on, in the global economy yeah. is we're seeing that we really want to shorten supply chains so where uh, you know where one of our major suppliers may be buying something in California now we're encouraging them to find a Connecticut supplier because it shortens your supply chain you cut out transportation costs yep. I mean transportation costs are you know and then you know we can talk about the whole overseas and mm-hmm. you know why we sent why the USA sent manufacturing overseas and why it was such a bad idea and how it's now all starting to come back through reshoring uh, through friendly shoring, which is entering into relationships with countries that are friendly to us, like Canada. Like last time I checked, I don't think Canada is going to attack us. So yeah. I think that's a good relationship. They're too nice. And, uh, <laughs> well, us Canadians are very nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, but uh, and then um, and then what I call Connecticut shoring, which is is how do I build relationships between uh, Connecticut OEMs in the Connecticut supply chain and continue to keep business in Connecticut. And we're working on some projects around that as well that'll help that. So if, if, so if I were to ask you, what does manufacturing mean to Connecticut? How, how would you answer that? Uh, so man, I, would, I would answer that, that manufacturing is the economic engine of Connecticut. So while we're 10%, we're about 10% of the gross product of Connecticut, and we're about 11% of the employment, manufacturing jobs are high-paying jobs. The average salary of somebody working in the manufacturing business is well over $100,000 a year. And that's, you know, you've got production people that are making, could be making forty dollars to $50,000 to $60,000 a year, all the way up to engineers making, you know, well into six figures. But when we look at the, the average data from the Department of Labor, uh, it's pretty close to $100,000 a year. Uh, every manufacturing job that's created creates another three jobs in the economy. 
So other things to support, like raw material vendors or processing vendors or machine. You know, if you buy, buy machines, people need to make those machines. Uh, and then every dollar that's invested in manufacturing, another $2.79 is invested back into the economy. So manufacturing, in my estimation, as your chief manufacturing officer, <laughs> is literally the, the economic driver for growth in the state. Uh, and I believe that the, the, the governor believes that, too, as well, because that's why we have a chief manufacturing officer, and that's why we have a manufacturing innovation fund, and that's why we're investing so much uh, in manufacturing to make sure that, that we continue to grow it here in the state and we continue to provide people with life-changing careers yeah. with jobs in manufacturing. So that's a great pitch to the people that you want to fill the jobs. Absolutely, right? yeah. What's the pitch to the actual manufacturers that you want to lure into Connecticut from? Like, I assume you're out there, you know, in upstate New York saying, hey, move your shop to, to, to Connecticut. What's the pitch there? Yeah, so I don't get to do that. Yeah. We have an organization called Advanced CT, Advanced CT is the economic development arm of Connecticut that works very that works close with uh, our Department of, De- of Economic and Community Development. But Advanced CT does three things: they work on business attraction, and they work on business retention and expansion. So the folks at Advanced CT are the ones that are working on. Uh, attracting new businesses. So anytime I have somebody reach out to me, I give it to Advanced CT. They have a director of advanced manufacturing that that follows up on those opportunities. And then I'll generally come back in the end to talk about how we support manufacturing. Um, but to, to the folks that are you know, you really start to look at what is what is Connecticut really good at? Mm. You know, we're starting to look at, you know, we went to the Farnborough Air Show out in London, and I was walking around with Ted Fisher from Advanced CT, who's the director of advanced manufacturing. So Ted and I were walking around, and they're talking about flying taxis and drones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and these are all technologies that exist. They just haven't been commercialized yet. And I'll tell you, there are flying taxis uh, uh, that exist today, or, or absolutely, or they- there are four-person flying taxi. They're electric, by the way, but they can you know they can pick you up and fly you to New York City in about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes yeah. or so. And yeah. so, um, yeah, absolutely, all this uh-huh. technology exists. So, hey, listen, the future's already happened. Yeah. We're just all trying to catch up to it. You so. must have watched the Jetsons. Do you, do you remember the Jetsons? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot like that. Yeah. But you know, but we're walking around handing out business cards and saying. You know, what we realized at Farnborough is that you can't fly without Connecticut. So we're handing out business yeah. cards saying, listen, if you're building something that's going to fly, we have the infrastructure, we have the expertise, we have the supply chain. Mm. You can plant your flag here, and we'll have a whole bunch of manufacturers that will be able to supply you with what you need. Um, so we're, you know, those are the kinds of, you take a look at what is our supply chain really good at in Connecticut? How can we continually support that? And we're always open. I mean, Connecticut's an, uh, an open state, right? You want to come in, you want to bring your manufacturing business in the state we're happy to welcome you and we're happy to support you um, when we go out and we're looking at you know to aggressively go after manufacturers we tend to look at where our strengths are you know and some of the things where we have you know uh, uh, medical devices for example uh, taking a look at clean energy taking you know we have an offshore wind project that's going in at, at down in New London at State Pier you know it's a multi-billion dollar industry that needs a supply chain well, you know, when you look at what's offshore wind, it's a really long tower with a big propeller on the top. So do we make really long? You know, I actually learned today that the Columbia-class submarine from electric boat, if you stood it up vertically, it's taller than the Washington Monument. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's a big submarine, right? So so we make really long, round things that stand up, <laughs> and we make engines that go around. So, uh, so you know, it's... Um, 
you know, you look at the offshore wind industry, it fits very nicely into what our capabilities are. So yeah. that and the whole supply chain that, that exists with all of that. So, and then you start looking at electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging stations, batteries. We have lots of um, uh, expertise in those areas. Uh, but we also have, we have a, a highly educated and highly intelligent workforce mm. and a highly productive workforce. And, and we're not the, you know, we're not the cheap labor state. So we're the state of innovation, right? So you right. either either have two points. Whenever you have a problem, you either have two answers. Throw cheap labor at it or innovate yeah. to be able to to get it done more effectively and efficiently. So we're the state of innovation. So, yeah, so that's, not, that's the pitch to the actual to the manufacturers, absolutely. to the business owners, uh, and you, then the, the, their families have access to the great public education absolutely. and all the stuff here. All, yeah. all the resources we have here in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of talk, unfortunately, about a potential recession. Uh, and so what would that do to Connecticut manufacturing if it happened? So as I go around and talk to manufacturers right now, we're, you know, everybody has very strong backlogs. So manufacturers tend to be uh, trailing when it comes to a recession because a lot of the work that they have, um, you know, it's not off the shelf stuff, right? It's, you know, if, if we have a, you know, we have a contract to make F-135 engines, Right, that contract is existing. That comes from the federal government. That's in defense of our nation. That generally that's not going away. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to, you know, there's a five-year plan out there that's very healthy for defense spending. So the supply chain in Connecticut tends to be resilient as it relates to a recession because that work is still there. Now, if five or six years from now they decide that they don't want to do that anymore, then we'll be on the trailing end. So when that work when that work is finished. Then you'll start to see Connecticut manufacturers suffer. So, but when you look at you know electric boat, for example, and General Dynamics, the workforce that they need to work on the backlog that they have of submarines has not been born yet. So there's plenty of work in Connecticut as it relates to um, as it relates to manufacturing. And then other areas, you know, when I talk to manufacturers, their backlogs are strong uh, right now. And so when we start to see those backlogs shrink, we'll start to know when we're going to have an impact of a recession on Connecticut manufacturing. And right now, you know, with the exception of, you know, commercial aerospace took a big hit during COVID and it's really, it's starting to come back now. It's still lagging a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I think Connecticut is, and the manufacturing sector is well insulated against a recession. And if, if there's any impact, we're not going to see it for, you know, four or five years out or so. Would that be especially true since we're more, you know, you would consider Connecticut manufacturing not a cheap labor, labor but an innovative, you know, uh, uh, space? And if you're innovative, doesn't wouldn't a recession demand innovation? Um, well, it it depends. It, it yeah. you know, I would say that I would say that that a um, in a boom area I where just we totally are made now. That up, so well, no, but in, in an area where we are now is a boom area where there isn't a lot of available labor. Yeah. Uh, is where we have to really accelerate innovation. If we go into a recession and the labor force becomes more more people become unemployed, mm. and we can take those people and put them into manufacturing, um, you may you know I don't think you'll see innovation stop. But once you know, I always you know I always say to people that you know it's innovation out of frustration or it's innovation out of no other choice. I don't have, you know, I walked into a manufacturer who had 1950 uh, machines that are stamping machines being run by robots because they can't find people to run the machines and there's nothing wrong with the machines and the machines are great. So they had robots running the machines and they're taking, you know, they're taking today's technology and applying it to machines from the 1950s. That's innovation. 
And I think, you know, you know, as long as we continue to have some of the problems we're having, we're going to still drive innovation. Um, it, it'd be nice to get a nice equal balance, though, because right now we're not, you know, we need people. Yeah. And so it would be nice to be able to get a balance. But when you come to a recession and people start to, you know, people start to cut back on hiring or things like that, the labor force tends to become more available. So, yeah. so I don't know. I guess it would remain to be seen. I think it's, you know, in my opinion, you know, innovation's our DNA. It's yeah. in Connecticut's manufacturing DNA. Yeah. We're walking around the shop floor all the time, you know, you know, cut out orders of operation. How can we squeeze another nickel out of this part? How can we get in, you know, that's just, that's, that's the environment that, that Connecticut manufacturing operates in. So other than the labor, what other kind of workforce challenges are top of mind for Connecticut manufacturers? Well, you have, you know, from a workforce perspective, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of training that needs to be done. You know, we, we talk about innovation and we talk about how innovation, you have to drive innovation, but you have to have a well-trained workforce to be able to drive innovation. If you want to implement innovation into a workforce that's not ready for it, I guarantee you it'll fail. Mm. So we really need to look at, we take a look at incumbent worker training and we take a look at how we develop that workforce. But there's, you know, there's three issues and really I have four things. So I'm in the process of of developing the strategic plan for manufacturing. And it's all about workforce growth and development, supply chain resiliency, which is how do we drive costs out of the manufacturing business to make sure the supply chain is uh, are healthy? How do we grow the manufacturing industry in the state? Uh, and it's all supported on this foundation of innovation. So we really look at, at innovation. So, um, and innovation is a critical part of workforce. Workforce development is, let me rephrase that, workforce development is a critical part of innovation because you have to have a well-educated workforce to be able to drive innovation. Yeah. Yeah, you really, every time you innovate, don't you have to retrain? I mean, there's new technologies. There's something new. Innovation sure. is new, right? You, you do need, those incumbent workers need to learn something new. Yeah, I, you know, I have conversations with uh, a gentleman who was the head engineer at Sikorsky, and he just retired at the end of this year. Uh, he worked at Sikorsky his entire career, and he said he had four different careers at Sikorsky. Hmm. Right, four different careers. So there's four times he had to reinvent himself to stay up with the technology to stay relevant in his role, and yeah. that's that's the way the manufacturing sector is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did I miss? Anything else uh, top of mind for you regarding manufacturing in Connecticut? You know, it, it's a great time to be in manufacturing in Connecticut. It's exciting. Um, you know, the manufacturing industry is healthy. Uh, you know, again, go back to the workforce issues. There's some supply chain issues that we're working on. You know, we're working on connecting manufacturers in the state in Connecticut together. Uh, we're launching a database called Connex, which is all about, you know, Connecticut first. Uh, and then it's a national, you can go, there's also a national option for that. And the whole idea is we want to shorten supply chains. It's what I call Connecticut shoring, right? Bring, bring work back to Connecticut. Um, so multiple issues happening in workforce. You know, we we have one of the best workforce development systems in the country, and we just need to continually um, work on issues that are preventing us from attracting people to the state, like affordable housing and, and the availability of housing and transportation and child care and health care and, and things like that. And, and we are, and we're working on that, and that really is a focus. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, very bullish and optimistic on manufacturing in the state. Uh, it's a good time to be here. We support it very, very well. Uh, and then, you know, again, we're the only state that has uh, that has somebody that can talk to the governor about manufacturing on a regular basis as well. So that gives manufacturers a distinct advantage over any other state and and uh, in the country. Yeah. 
All right. Well, so before I let you go, I really okay. appreciate you being here. Great conversation. Thanks and, for having and, me. And informative, Paul. But uh, we always end every podcast with some rapid questions, okay. rapid fire questions. Got to get to know you a little better personally. Sure. Okay. You ready for that? Sure. Okay. All right. Tea or coffee? Coffee in the morning, tea at night. <laughs> Never heard of that one before. <laughs> Favorite food? Well, I have to have Bigelow tea at night. I mean, come on. Oh, right. Bigelow <laughs> tea, right? I have to have a cup of Bigelow tea <laughs> yes. every night. I'm sorry. The second one? Uh, favorite food? Oh, gee. Favorite food? Um, uh, meatloaf. Last thing you... <laughs> you know the line that comes into my head when you say meatloaf yeah. from... from uh, what's the movie? Oh, Wedding Crashers. Anyway, yeah. last thing you watched on TV? Oh, the football, NFL. The last, Cowboys last game. Cowboys, yep. Cowboys, Bucks game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, very first job. This should be interesting. Uh, stock clerk in a supermarket. Uh, we continue to be what, what we call all in here at One Digital. It's one of our sort of rally cries, if you will. And uh, so we're all in for our customers. And how do you plan to be all in, Paul, professionally and or personally? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I come from the private sector. Uh, you know, I've never had a public service job. This is my first public service job. And so being from the private sector, all I really know is customers and how to take care of customers and customer service and uh, and certainly building teams and, 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 and all of that. Um, so, so when I took this job, I sat back and said, well, who are my customers? And so manufacturers are my customers. So, so I'm all in on... I have 4,400 customers within the confines of uh, the state of Connecticut, uh, and I'm here to serve my customers in any way, shape, or form that's going to be necessary to help them to succeed. Additionally, anybody that that uh, works with me to help serve those customers, places like the Connecticut Center for Advanced Technology, ConStep, Ready CT, CT Next, Advanced CT. I'll go through the whole alphabet soup. I'll probably miss somebody too. Um, they're all my partners. And, and the education system is my partner because they're creating a product. So I, I invest a lot of time with my partners because that makes my job that much more easier to, to be able to serve my customers, which are manufacturers. And then we have this other layer of subject matter experts that are out there that can continue to serve our customers as well. So I have this ecosystem of customers, partners, and subject matter experts uh, that I'm all in on, on helping to kind of rally the troops around a vision for manufacturing for the state of Connecticut, but also p having people working together on that vision with a common mission to be able to grow and support manufacturing. So, you know, the manufacturers in Connecticut know, or they should know, that there's somebody that thinks about their business every waking moment, and mostly when I'm sleeping too, uh, but also has the full resources of the state of Connecticut to be able to support them. So we're all in in Connecticut and supporting manufacturing. I think it's pretty clear that you're all in. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Paul. And I want to thank everyone who's listening. Uh, we do appreciate your support. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. Yeah.